Hello out there, breadwinners. This is Regina, and you are listening to Office Politics Radio, a podcast dedicated to helping you with your work life. You can get in touch with me and find out more about me and my show at officepoliticsradio.com. You can also follow the links to my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages, or you can email me directly at Regina at officepoliticsradio.com. Hello out there, breadwinners. This is Regina welcoming you back to another episode of Office Politics Radio. We're going to go ahead and jump right into our mailbag this week and see what's going on in our workplace. A listener writes in and says, I recently took on a very demanding job. I find myself working longer hours now than I ever have before in my career. The time that I'm spending at work and the time that I'm spending doing work while I'm at home is cutting into other areas of my life. I want to achieve a better work-life balance, but is there such a thing as a perfect work-life balance? Ah, yes, the indescribable work-life balance. That's a very good question, and I get this question a lot. And we've talked about wellness before. So this week's top five, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to have a work-life balance, how we define it, how we've understood it previously, and what are some ways that we can try to have a good work-life balance as as best we can. So this week's top five, the first thing we'll talk about is, is work-life balance a myth? In a word, yes. Okay, there's there's no perfect equation. There's no way to get back the time that you spent at work and balance it out 100% or 50-50 for that matter with the time that you spend doing things of a personal nature. The more that we try to even out or, you know, pay ourselves back for the time that we spent at work, the more that we set ourselves up for failure. It's a little counterintuitive to say, okay, well, I need a minute for minute or an hour for hour exchange because there really is no such thing. There's no way to get that time back that you dedicated to your office or to your professional pursuits. So we end up doing this dance back and forth where it's like, okay, I wanted to do this, but now I got to do that. And then you end up driving yourself crazy. You know, a few years ago, the big thing was, oh, you know, that everybody wore a badge of honor. Like, oh my gosh, I worked, you know, 60 hours this week and I was here all weekend and I was doing this and I was doing that. And that was all the rage, you know, overworking yourself and burning yourself out was what everybody was trying to do. And then that got to be too much. So then we started talking about work-life balance where it's like, oh, okay, I want to work, but not that much. When you think about your whole life cycle, if you're working that much, when do you recover? When do you have downtime? When do you have time to refresh and come back to work in a better state of mind? There's a lot of research out there that shows that after a certain number of hours in a day and after a certain number of hours in a week, you're not as productive and as fresh as you were when you first started. So what you first have to look at is, am I being productive in all of these hours that I'm spending at work? A lot of times we confuse activity with productivity, and there's people who will just show up every day and they're there on time and they're there until, you know, sun up to sundown or whatever, but they don't really have anything to show for it. You know, they just want to be able to feed into that narrative. Well, I was here for 50 hours or I was here for however many hours. But it's not about the hours that you spend at work. It's about what you're actually accomplishing within those hours. I've worked full time for as long as I can remember. And when I was going to school, I was also going to school full time. So there were some times when I needed to lean more heavily into studying and I would have to study at lunch and right after work and you know your social life starts to suffer and then there's other times when okay it's I'm in between semester I'm in between quarters so I get to rage this weekend 
I have to set up my work week and also set up my study time to where I had enough time to complete all of my tasks in the time that I'm given to do them. I didn't have the luxury of being able to, you know, go to school and and not work or be at work and not have to devote a sufficient amount of time to school. I think we need to change some of the terminology and some of the conversation about how we live our life. And instead of thinking work-life balance, just think work-life management. You know, you have time that you need to spend at work. You have time that you need to spend with your family. And you have time that you need to spend learning all new things. If you devote too much of your time and too much of your resources just to work, you're going to end up on that hamster wheel. And there's never going to be enough time to do everything because you're underwater and you're behind trying to match your work time minute for minute with the other areas of your life. So if we start to think that, okay, I know that I'm going to have to work 40 hours a week. And what can I do maybe in some of the breaks that I have at work to take care of some of the other tasks that I would normally do on the weekend or when I have more time? to kind of get ahead of some of the errands and things that we have to do during the week so that your weekend is not devoted just to catching up and you can actually catch your breath on the weekend. The second thing that I'll say as far as, you know, work-life management is concerned is to combine your calendars. And I have, I think I've said it before on my show, I have four phones because I have, you know, business. And while that might be appalling to some people, None of my businesses really cross over, but I keep one calendar because I have things that I need to get done and I can't afford to miss out on a deadline. So I have my work phone and that is for my what I call my job job. And then I have my expert witness phone, which is for my consulting business. And I do that on the side. Then I have my personal phone. And that is for, okay, my personal business. And I don't want any of my clients to ever have any of those numbers. Like, none of those numbers should ever cross over. And then my fourth phone is just for this other gig that's about to be over anyway. So I'll be down to three phones. But the point is that I keep one calendar because I think when we start to think of our life more holistically and as one thing, we stop thinking, oh, okay, well, I got to do this for work. And, oh, I got to do this for home. And, I, oh, I got to, you know, separate everything and have all these different calendars spewing out all over the place. And you can see where your time is really being spent. And once you know how much time you have, you can circle back and prioritize about what's important and what isn't. You can have a successful career and have a successful personal life, but it's never going to be right down the middle. There's times when, you know, you're going to be missing deadlines, you're going to be spending too much time on email and in meetings, but there's also other times when you're missing recitals and date nights and vacation, and you have to figure out what's more important to you. You you know, we go through our work week, and it's like, okay, well, if I sleep for 11 minutes every third Wednesday, then I might be able to get everything that I need to get done, done. And that's not really how you should live your life. As a manager, as a director, I want people who are coming in, you know, they're fresh, they're happy to be there, they got a little bit of light in their eyes, you know, because if you're looking at work as just a work, as it's just work, or it's just a job or whatever, then it's not worth that sacrifice. You know, you really want to be passionate about what you're doing. And you can't do that if you're already burnt out. And trust me, I've worked since I was, you know, 15 years old, I've had a thousand McJobs, you know, so it doesn't even matter. But now that I have a career, now that I really want to dedicate myself to being 
an, an expert in my field and constantly learning and putting myself in a position to, you know, expose myself to new things. That really feeds what I do in my job job. But I don't consider anything that I do in my quote unquote leisure time, if I'm reading a book or going to a seminar on the weekend or whatever, as, you know, taking anything away. It's really contributing to what I'm able to do during the work week. Because if I know a better way to do something, then I can do it that much faster and that'll free me up. And so maybe some days I can leave work early and go do something else. So it's really about how you manage and prioritize your time. So when I look at my calendar and I see that, okay, ooh, you know, this day has a lot of meetings on it or I got to be here right after work, um, then at least it gives me an idea of how I need to, you know, manage my attention and where I need to put my focus for right now. And there's going to be times when you're working on a project and it's going to require you to be there long hours, um, you know, come in on the weekends or and come in on the weekends or whatever. And then there's other times where it's like, oh, OK, well, you know, I get to take a break. I can, you know, take a couple days off and recharge. But what's important is to give yourself the ability or to, you know, approach your life as an integrated existence, not, well, now I'm at work and now I'm at home and I have all these, you know, separate task lists or all these separate calendars. And you're trying to, you know, multitask, which we've already agreed before in another show. That's also another myth. You know, your brain isn't wired that way. You have to do one thing at a time. And I believe I mentioned before, and if I haven't, I'll mention it now. And if I have, hey, I'll mention it again. Um, according to the Harvard Business Review, people spend 46.9% of their waking hours thinking about something other than what they're doing. And that mind wandering typically makes them unhappy. So it always sounds good or it looks good on paper. It's like, oh, well, I can, you know, try to get these three or four things done, you know, and I'm going to multitask and all this other stuff. But you're not going to do that. Nothing's going to get done. You need to do a better job of mapping out your time and also carving out time to clear your head afterward so you can go on to the next thing. If everything is integrated, then you can just look and say, okay, this is all I have to worry about right now. Um, I don't need to have any pop-ups on my second or third phone or anybody you know, saying, hey, don't forget about this or don't forget about that because you're only working off of one calendar or one document or however you want to keep your calendar electronically or otherwise. It's just too difficult to try to spread yourself around between okay, well, I got my home calendar and now I got my work calendar. Then I got my leisure calendar and all these other things because things creep up on you. And there's a lot of times, you know, I'm super busy all the time, you know, working full-time, part-time, whatever. But I also build in time to just sit around, you know, and have some leisure time and have some social time. And then you have to know your limits. And I found that there are times where I could feel myself burning out, you know, and I know when I'm starting to get burnt out, my indicator is when I start either losing or misplacing things. So, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, I started losing my keys all the time. I couldn't remember where I put any one of my phones, much less all four of them. And I lost my garage door opener. So there's just a, that's my indication to where it's like, okay, okay, somebody needs to slow down. So when you're putting that calendar together, build in some of that time because you need to have that time for yourself so that you can be fully present when you're at work, fully present when you're with your family, fully present when you're, you know, socializing or just trying to regroup. You don't want to be so 
hurried and scurried that you're overcommitted and then nothing gets done. And if it does get done, it doesn't get done with any good quality. We spend a lot of time at work. And like I said before, it's not necessarily going to be a, a, a trade-off for, you know, minute for minute with the time that you spend doing other things outside of work, but do your best to look at it in one snapshot and not as separate things, which brings me to my third thing. Don't look at work as anything but work. In all my years in human resources, a lot of people say, well, you know, we, we, you know, we will get together as managers and say, well, you know, we need to make our employees happy. Work is work. A lot of people think that work is supposed to make them happy. And that's not always the case. And as managers, it's like, well, you know, what can we do to, you know, make our employees happier and all this other stuff? And that's a part of work. I mean, I'm not supposed to get on your nerves as a manager. I'm not supposed to, you know, make you hate coming in here. But work is not going to be the only thing that you should look at to fulfill or complete your life. You, you need to have a life life and not just a work life. You know, we spend a lot of time at work. So you, that's the place that you might find, you know, your friends, you might find your spouse there. And that's great. But we do spend a lot of time at work. And so work can also be filled with people who are full of drama. And they come to work to get their fill of excitement, gossip, story time, whatever, and lose sight of what they're being paid to do. So then the response from management has to be to kind of correct some of that behavior, you know, and get people back in line with what the expectation is. And then it turns your relationship or the organization becomes a little paternalistic and it sets up this weird dichotomy where it's like, okay, I'm expecting you guys to take care of me, but don't tell me what to do. And like I said, it's great to make friends at work, but you want to have a professional relationship with the people that are around you. You should be very discerning with who you let into your personal business because people can be very different outside of work. So you have a few different types of people. There's the people who want to be friends with you and it's like, hey, man, let's go out to happy hour after work. And you're like, all right, cool. And you go out and all they want to do is talk about work. Okay, we just left work. So I don't want to be out here talking about work. And then there's other people that want to have you outside of work so they could ask you questions. What's going on with that girl over there? Are those two dating? What happened? You know what I heard? I heard, well, you know what I heard? Okay, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell anybody you heard it from me. And then they start to go on and you're just like, wow, I should have just went home. I should have just be, I should be in my pajamas right now. So you have to be very discerning with the reasons why people want to be, you know, all in your business at work. There's so many different factors that affect relationships at work. And you want to be very mindful of what those things are and how they can affect you both positively and negatively. But if you're looking at work to fulfill some of your social needs, and that's the only place that you're having social interaction, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. I saw the best meme the other day. It said, your coworkers are not your friends. Get your money and go home. And I love that. That was just the epitome of my philosophy. You know, if I'm friends with somebody that I met at work, I'm going to see them outside of work. But in our professional setting, I'm going to try to keep it professional. So I'm very clear with people about who my friends are and who my coworkers are. Because I can have a good relationship with somebody at work and still not want to see them outside of work. You know, the, the, you're a coworker. We can, you know, 
talk about our weekends. We can chit-chat. We can do whatever. But we're not friends. You know, friends, I, I have a very specific definition of what that means. And so in this age of social media, again, you have to be very discerning. So a lot of times when I'm working with somebody or they'll meet me, you know, at a conference or something, they'll send me like a Facebook friend request. And I'm like, uh-uh, file that under no ma'am, okay? We are not friends like that. Social media is the devil's playground and I am not getting caught up in any kind of randomness about, you know, being connected to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. I'm generally not Facebook friends with anybody that I currently work with. It's like, I have to leave the workplace first and then I'll accept your friend request, even if it's been sitting in my inbox for a year or two. Sorry. Because even if I like you and I think you're cool, I don't necessarily want to put my business and connect it to your business because then I don't know who else you're friends with. So then a friend of a friend of a friend of a cousin of an aunt who knew somebody who used to work with me is going to be friends with you. They're going to be able to see what I'm doing. And I never post anything that's, you know, personal or anything that I wouldn't say otherwise, but at the same time, I don't like the idea of somebody peeking over my fence because they're the friend of a friend. So I use social media pretty much to promote my podcast, and that's about it. If somebody's really my friend, then we're in, we're, we're on text, you know, we're on Messenger. I'll talk my mess where nobody else can see it or hear it, and then that's it. But as far as, you know, Facebook is concerned, hey, you know, here's what I got at Sephora, and here's what my nails look like this week, and my Halloween costume, and that's about the extent of it because I think people think Facebook is like real friendship and like when you're Facebook friends with somebody that you're actually connected on some level and I've never believed that I'm like I'm just here to see the kids back to school pictures I'm just trying to see what you had for dinner or your new house or you know what costume you got for your cat this Halloween and that's about it we've all seen people blow up their lives by saying or posting something that wasn't really the greatest idea. The problem with inviting somebody into your after-hours business is that that can't be undone. So if later on you find yourself having to unfriend that person or block them, that's going to make it a little awkward in the workplace. Once those lines are crossed, you know, you can't you can't go backwards. So you want to be as mindful as you can of the long-term commitment you're making when you're inviting somebody into your non-work life, whether it's on social media or inviting them over for a holiday party or even going out to a happy hour. Which brings me to my next point about practicing self-care. It's very important when we talk about work-life balance or life-life balance or how much time we dedicate to doing certain things that we need to get done about taking care of ourselves first. And the saying that you can't pour from an empty cup is very true. We've been inundated lately in the media with people who have found themselves at the end of their rope. They aren't able to effectively, you know, manage their lives. And it kind of results in some unfortunate circumstances for people. And and it's sad because a lot of times the signs aren't outwardly visible and you never really know what people are struggling with. And sometimes it's the strongest people that you know. And you think, oh, well, this person's in this position, so they don't have problems. And they have problems, they just don't have your problems. So when we talk about self-care, it's about really recognizing maybe some patterns of behavior, some indicators. Like I said before, I know when I need to take a break, when I start losing or misplacing things, and just being really gentle with yourself. 
as supervisors and managers, when we have someone who's a really good worker and who's really productive, you know, they get rewarded with what? More work. So if you're that person in your office who's really taking on too much, you might have to have a conversation and manage your manager a little bit and be more realistic about what you can actually accomplish in the time that you're given. It's important that we understand how to manage our own personal stressors and what some of the things that wear us out are so that we're not just, you know, going through the motions or finding ourselves, you know, you can't put your self-care on hold Monday through Friday and think that you can, you know, run, run, run for five days a week and beat yourself up during the work week. And then you have this really quick recovery and have like a little meditation and this, you know, flurry of pampering over the weekend. And then you're right back to being refreshed and ready to go the next week. That's another myth. You know, you don't have enough time to recover if that's your process. You know, if you're getting very close to the edge and then you have to reel it all back in over the weekend, there's not enough time for that because you have other things that you need to do over the weekend. Weekends are filled with, you know, little league, chair practice, laundry, housekeeping, groceries, um, preparing for the next week. So there's not a lot of time to say, oh, okay, well, let me, you know, completely shut things off because those are the things that you kind of put off until the weekend. And now that the weekend is here, okay, well, I got to get this done because I got to go back to work on Monday. And it's just a vicious cycle, you know, and it's not a way to live your life. And it's not a way to live your life in that heightened state of go, go, go. You know, you have to have some downtime in there and be able to say, okay, okay, I know that I have these things to do. What are some other resources that I may be able to incorporate? You know, can I hire a housekeeper, maybe not to come in every week, but every couple weeks? Or what other things can I farm out or get somebody to help me with so that I don't feel so overwhelmed? What I found myself doing a lot is taking a break at lunchtime. So to me, lunch is not always necessarily for eating. Because by the time you, you know, get in your car and go somewhere and pick something up, you have to scarf it down like it's your first, you know, like it's the last meal that you're ever going to have and then run back to the office. And it's another way of just hurrying too much. So I would sometimes just go out to my car, drive to a shady spot, lean the seat all the way back, blast the air conditioner, just take a nap. I mean, there's plenty of time to eat during the day at other times, but I like to use that time sometimes to just have a moment. You know, lunch doesn't have to be about food. It could be about feeding your mind, feeding your spirit, feeding your soul. And if that's the only time that you have to be alone because you have commitments first thing in the morning, last thing at night, then take that time for yourself in the middle of the day. Find ways to just carve out a little time to just breathe, breathe in and breathe out and then go back, finish up your afternoon and then get on with your evening. And the last thing that I'll say about, you know, life, life or work life management um, is to find your own balance. You know, don't let other people decide what you should and shouldn't be doing or, well, you know, you're doing too much of this and maybe you need to try that. Or maybe, you know, nobody really knows what goes on in your mind. There are a lot of things that go on behind the curtain. You know, nobody else knows the details of your life. And like I mentioned before, some people, you know, get to the edge and they can't bring themselves back. So it becomes very debilitating trying to, you know, put up a front or achieve some false standard of balance that's defined by somebody else. Like I said before, there's no magic formula. There's no way to just say, okay, well, if I do this, then I've achieved the perfect work-life balance. Because even if you're walking a tightrope and it's like, okay, I got it, this is 
exactly it. How long can you really maintain that? Your time, attention, your resources, they're always in flux. You know, you never know when you're going to have more time to do something. You're going to have more resources. You're going to have more money, less money. You're going to have, you know, more commitments, less commitments. So you have to do what you can day to day to make sure that you're maintaining and you're defining what balance means to you. As a manager, I've always tried to be the type of manager that I wanted to work for. And I, you know, have still have my three simple rules, you know, come to work, do your work and go home. Come to work, meaning don't find excuses to not be at work and, oh, my cat was sick or my car, my song was on the radio, so I had to, you know, take a little time, a little extra time to get into the offices. Come on, man. Just come to work. Just be here on time or as close to it as you can be. And do your work. Do your work, which means you're not walking around visiting all day. You're not worried about what your neighbor's doing. Um, and you're not trying to just do too much that's outside of your purview to take care of. And then go home go home. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So be outside of the office, you know, when it's time to, if you if you've managed your time correctly all day, all week, all month or whatever, you're not going to have any problem going home and not having to think about, you know, being tethered to the workplace or no, I got to check my email. I got to call back in and all this other stuff. Because if somebody's on vacation, I don't want them to feel like they need to continually circle back with me because that's just not my thing. I don't want anybody lamenting about, oh, and you know, she's such a hard person to work for and all this other stuff. Because like I've said before, it's HR, not ER. So we can all just calm down. Balance is just, it's a very, very personal choice. You know, you can live by setting your own expectations Or, you know, you can worry about what your neighbor or whoever thinks about the way that you're living your life. And it changes over time. When I was a younger lass, you know, I found my I find myself with a with a different, you know, level of energy, a different tolerance, a different interest in certain things. And now that I'm at the stage in my career that I am, I I'm not interested in certain other things. I have a bunch of different interests. So it's really important for me to continue to ask myself questions. It's like, okay, is this a good use of my time? You know, am I wasting time doing this? Or is this really going to be something that contributes to either my well-being or my company's well-being or my coworkers' well-being or my family's well-being? And if they are things that contribute to somebody's well-being, am I making sure that I'm giving enough of my energy to it to make it happen? And if it's something that is going to contribute to the well-being of someone or something that I care about, am I giving it the appropriate priority? I focus more on trying to integrate different parts of my life together so that I'm not doing the same work twice. So things that I learn at my job job, at my full-time job, kind of inform what I do as a consultant and vice versa. And if it's something that I have to dedicate my time and energy to, there's it's cross-beneficial. So it benefits me in a professional and a personal setting a lot of times. And when I need to unplug from all of those things and turn off all four of my phone, it allows me to re-engage differently when I get back into the mix the following day or the following week or whatever, so that I could be more mindful and be more present and be more productive in the moments that I have. So just to do a quick recap of what we talked about this week, um, the first thing, yes, work-life balance is a myth. Don't be fooled, you know, so don't, don't try to chase it down too hard and really work on focusing on managing all the different areas of your life. Um, You can do that by the second thing we talked about, which is combining all of your calendars. So you don't need to do a bunch of checks and balances, but you're just focusing on the one calendar that's in front of you. Don't do anything at work 
butt work. So don't go there trying to, you know, be the social maven and, you know, check everybody's temperature all day. It's a workplace and you should keep it professional. Practice self-care as best you can. And whether that's taking a break at lunchtime or taking a weekend away or just turning off your phones for as long as you can, then do that. And most importantly, define your own balance and continue to redefine that, not just you know, for what you're doing today. But when your circumstances change, things in your life change, redefine what it means to you to just feel settled within your own skin. If you've been enjoying the show, tell a friend and share my links all over your social media because the best endorsement is word of mouth and that's how I grow my audience. Also take a moment to go onto iTunes and leave me a rating review so other people that we don't know that we're not friends with yet can also find my show. All right, breadwinners, that's it for me for now. Thank you very much for listening in and keeping in touch. I read everything that you submit and I appreciate all of your feedback and your comments. You can find me online at officepoliticsradio.com. My site has links to all of my social media platforms as well as my contact information. If you have any other questions, comments, or show ideas, just get in touch with me. Have a great work week. Be nice to your HR staff. And until I talk to you again, behave yourselves.